And welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com, a very special edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light, and that is because I am right next to former Giant safety Antro Roll. Antro, glad to have you aboard. Welcome to our set. I know this is your first experience on set. I'm just mad my pitch is not up here. I know. Well, as I told you before we went on air, Jeff Fiegels is responsible, your fellow Hurricane, for covering you up. So I am going to be on top of that <laughs> in our future meetings in between shows to make sure your presence is felt here on the wall. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. So you had an opportunity to see practice today. What have your impressions been of the team thus far over the last few weeks as you've been following along? Well, first and foremost, you know, it just seemed that everyone has a different attitude, have a different approach. And, you know, following last season, you know, that was a tough one for all of us to witness. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like it was time for a change, and I think we've, we've experienced that with uh, with the with the new coaching staff, you know, with the new GM, and more importantly, a new attitude from the players. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the telephone number. We're going to get to your phone calls. We're going to get to your tweets at hashtag Giants Chat. And a reminder that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Well, I think it's great to have you on the show for a variety of different reasons. But most notably, Antro, when you look at this team, the safety position next to Landon, Co Landon Collins is very much up in the air. Now, you have experience at safety. You have experience at corner. You made the transition. And one one guy in particular that's in the mix to play next to Landon Collins is Curtis Riley, formerly of the Tennessee Titans. What is it like when you move from corner to safety, and what are really the major differences when you take on both of those roles? Well, you know, I, I think the, the biggest adjustments is, is the cerebral part. Uh, you know, you have to understand that now you're the protector of, of the defense. You're, you're as deep as the deepest man goes. Uh, if it gets past you, you can pretty much count it up for seven. <laughs> so uh, I think you just have to understand the ins and outs of the defense. You have to be very familiar with the position, the scheme of things, where the help is going to rely, uh, where there's not going to be any help. And uh, you have to be the quarterback of the defense because you're the deepest eyes. I always hear a lot of safety say, specifically in this defense with James Betcher, that there really is no free safety or strong safety. You have to know both positions. From your experience, and you've been in a variety of defenses, is that common, or do you normally have to take on the role of free safety versus strong safety? Well, I think it depends on what system you're in and what you know what caliber guys you have back there. When you have versatile guys back there that can play both the strong and the free safety, it's going to make it that much better for the defense because then you know the quarterback's not going to be able to know. Okay, well, he's the strong safety; he's going to be covering tight end. You know, he's the free safety; he's always going to be deep. When you do that, like when when you play in that in that type of scheme, it's easy to isolate you. It's easy to pinpoint sometimes which coverage you're in. But when you have the versatile safeties that can play both the free and the strong safety, and that way, you know, they're both on the same page at the same time, it's going to make the defense that much better. It seems as if it's like what the Giants are doing with the wide receiver position this year, Retro. They're making everybody learn all three positions. They're not telling them, you're the X, you're the Y, you're the Z. Guys go out there, line up, know the offense backwards and forwards. Well, that's the best way because now the defense has to prepare for all. You know, as opposed to say, okay, well, we know that Shep's going to be in the slot. We know Odell's going to be the X. You know, and, and, you know, when you have those guys versatile like that and they can play each other position and they understand the, the, the offense or defense entirely, it's going to make it that much better for the for – the, whether the group is uh, offense or defense to be successful. So that this way things are not nearly as predictable. Absolutely. This, this is a guessing game. That's what football is. Football is a guessing game. It's a cerebral game. You know, the, the, the plays don't change. The players, you know, they get bigger, faster, stronger, but the plays don't change. It's a universal system. It's that game of chess. When Absolutely. you do, then you cause a reaction and vice versa. And that's what really stands out to me specifically about this James Betcher defense, how he moves personnel around. And you were in a 3-4 when you were with the Bears because you had Vic Fangio as your right. defensive coordinator. Right. He's still in Chicago. He was known for what he did with the San Francisco 49ers. Is there that much of a difference from your perspective between the 4-3 and the 3-4, at least from the back end, from the safety perspective? From the back end, though, um, you know, I, I just feel like as a safety, as a strong safety, or as you would call it, strong safety, you, you are more, uh, you know, support. You know, they, they look for you more in the run support as opposed to, you know, just playing in, in, a, in, a, in a traditional 4-3 defense. You know, your secondary force as to playing in 3-4 defense, sometimes you're going to be the primary force guy. 
So you have to get in there and you have to get your nose dirty a little bit. Absolutely. Well, that's something that you can relate to Absolutely. in terms of getting down in the box and then also being able to play deep. And, you know, that was something that you prided yourself on in terms of your game. Andrew, if they needed you to come down and help stop the run, you were able to do that. If you needed to be that center fielder, then that was something else that you called upon. How important is that still in today's NFL where the safety can be moved back and forth? Well, I think it's more important now than it's ever been because we all know that this is a passing league. And now with them implementing implementing all these rules and you know that you know the, the helmet rule and it just <laughs> it is it, it take the speed out of the game so you know now guys have more to think about than just their assignment you know they have to worry about where their target point you know is the guy is he in position where I can hit him can I hit him here can I you know it's too much going on right now in the NFL but you know I always play the game is listen I'm going to play the game the way I've always played the game if you're going to find me, we'll talk about it on Tuesday. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm not giving up a play worried about, you know, the, the head the collisions and all that good things. And yeah, You know, it, it's, it's always going to benefit you more if you have those versatile safeties, versatile guys in general in the back end. Well, and speaking of that, after you play the game for X amount of years, I mean, it's almost like it's programmed. It's routine for somebody like you to all of a sudden switch gears. I mean, I can only imagine what that's like for most players in today's game when you've been teaching the principles through your coaches for year after year, and all of a sudden you got to flip a switch. That's that's football, you know. That's that's the name of the game, and uh, you know the the cerebral players. You find those. It may not be the most gifted players, might not be the fastest players, but those are the players that last the longest in this league. Well, and speaking of versatile players and gifted players, one particular player that jumps out to everybody this year is Olivier Vernon, and he is moving to linebacker. He's been down on the line. He's played back in coverage when he was with Miami. Another former Miami guy. We always need to make that connection whenever you or Jeff Fiegels are in this chair. That's I always right. prioritize that, but a lot of people feel this is a great fit for Olivier Vernon, Antro. Where do you stand on that as to why this 3-4 is so suitable to his skill set? Well, you know, Olivier Vernon, he's, he's a freak of nature. You know, he's a guy who's, who's very durable. He's, he's extremely athletic. And it's going to allow him, you know, to, to be in coverage in the fire zone. It's going to also allow him to disrupt the first point of attack and, you know, and then rush the quarterback. So it's going to loosen him up a little bit as well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to actually expose his versatility a whole lot more. And I think it's going to be able to create more plays uh, being in this 3-4 system. And as you can relate to when you were on the Giants, when that front seven gets after the quarterback, it makes life on the secondary side that much easier. You give me a front seven all day, you find your defensive backfield. Now, we also hear that when you have great lockdown corners and safeties that can go sideline to sideline, it also does the reversal. Oh, makes absolutely. life easy for the front seven. Vice versa. You know, that's why it's, this is a team sport. You know, when you, find, when you find those cornerbacks that have a lot of interceptions, when you find those safeties that have a lot of interceptions and make a lot of plays, nine times out of ten, the credit is due to that front seven. You know, I mean, we, we are all athletic. We all make plays, but you give credit where credit is due. Now, when you see those guys are giving up – 400, 500 yards a game, he, they're not getting a whole lot of pressure. You know, it, it works hand in hand. And if you have both, see that back wall? Oh, yeah. So, see, you see those Super Bowls back I there? I see that, yeah. <laughs> I, I see the photos that resemble that. When yep. you get both, you get that ring. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's that symbiotic relationship absolutely. where you need to go hand in hand. And, and you're right, it, because of what we see in the court of public opinion in today's football, when a big play is given up, everybody always thinks it's a missed assignment, the secondary was not on the same page. But sometimes it's a matter of that quarterback getting rid of the football so quickly that he was unbothered by the pass rush, and now all of a sudden guys like yourself are left out on an island essentially on the back end. Absolutely. You know, the smart ones do. The smart quarterbacks, you know, they try to get the ball out fast. And you know what it does? It, it puts strain on defensive linemen. It, it, it frustrates them. They want to get out the quarterback. They want to get the hits. They want to get the sacks. And then when the ball is going out so quick, they're like, man, I can't make a play. I can't make a play. So only the strongest ones will survive. And that's why even batting a ball down at the line of scrimmage is just as effective as a sack. Absolutely. It's crucial. It's crucial. I'll take it any day of the week. Absolutely. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. We're going to get to your phone calls here in a second. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. One other thing I wanted to get your perspective on before we open up the phone lines. Earlier today, Victor Cruz announced his retirement, a former teammate of yours, somebody who made a name for himself after he was an undrafted free agent out of UMass and took the league by storm, took the Giants by storm, as you well know, in 2011. You know, What are your fondest memories, Antrol, of what Victor did for the Giants? organization oh man iron sharpens iron 
You know, man, that guy, uh, Victor Cruz, we had so many battles in that slot. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I sincerely give a lot of my success, you know, contribute a lot of my success to Victor Cruz, man, because he was so shifty and he would do that one little jump cut that I hated. <laughs> you know, it, but it, it made me that much better. It made me so much disciplined with my eyes, with my craft, and with my technique, and we literally battled. We battled. We loved each other like brothers, but we wanted the best out of each other. And so, you know, when you're talking about Victor Cruz, you're talking about a phenomenal guy. You're talking about an outstanding father and, more importantly, a, a hell of a teammate, man. And, uh, you know, for him to go out, and, uh, you know, announce his retirement, I, I, I can't praise him enough because he's a guy we know that his career didn't end the way we all wanted it to end for him because he was such, you know, the, the brightest star I had seen in a long time. And just, the, you know, the players that he's made for this team, there is no 2011 Super Bowl, yeah. uh, 2012 Super Bowl without Victor Cruz. It just doesn't happen. So, um, you know, Congratulations to him and, you know, success with, you know, his new ESPN gig. Well, he's so. following your footsteps here. He put on the headset. It didn't take him too long. You must be giving him tips already on that. You know, he's an all-purpose guy. You know, he can do it all. You know, he can sound, he can dance, you know, <laughs> touchdowns. And, you know, now he's doing ESPN, so he's a phenomenal group. Well, I think you brought up an interesting point about how you were tested in practice because, like I said, you were somebody that moved between the safety spot down to the nickel and to go up against somebody who was so crafty out of the slot, you know, helps prepare you for what you're going to see on a weekly basis in the National Football League. Listen, if I can, if I can cover Victor Cruz in the slot in practice, it made Sundays breathe. <laughs> <laughs> can only imagine. Oh, man, absolutely. And normally the, the quickest, the shiftiest wide receivers tend to play out of the slot. So, I mean, it it's just shows to show you the challenge. It's hard enough for some corners, Andrew, to oh, yeah. defend those guys on the outside. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> they're asking somebody like you, who's played corner, played safety, to line up with somebody like that. I mean, the mindset is very different. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's a mindset, and it's a want-to factor. You, you, gotta, you have to want it. I remember after the, uh, 2011, after we lost to the Jets, I remember talking to Coach Merritt and telling him, Coach, I'll go down to the slot. I'll do whatever it is that you need me to do in order for us to go out there and win. And I remember taking on that challenge. And when I came to practice on that next Monday, you know, it was it was I was I was locked in. I was tunnel vision. I was focused because I only had my eye on one prize, which was getting to the playoffs at that point in time. It's the ultimate sacrifice. You do whatever you can to benefit the team. I'll tell you one game that comes to my mind. I mean, you talked about maybe where you'd have a week preparation, and they told you you were playing in the slot. There were games, Andrew. I remember somebody got hurt in the secondary, and blink of an eye, oh, yeah. they told you to go down to the slot. I don't know if you remember that Cowboys game, yeah. right? I think yeah. it was Terrell Thomas got yeah. hurt, was, and they yeah. were like, hey, Andrell, let's yeah, go. And yeah. then they put you right in the slot. So, I yeah. mean, you've done it. On on the flip of a switch, I've, I've done this several times. Uh, you know, I, I like to be called you know the Swiss the switch on what is the it? Swiss, Swiss Army the knife? Swiss Army yeah, knife. That's, that's a perfect what, description. Yeah, of yeah. yeah. You know, uh, the jack of all trades, man. But I loved it. I loved the challenges. I remember Perry Fuel uh, calling me in on Tuesday and it's like, "Listen, Troy, this is the game plan. If it's too much for you, if you can't handle it, let me know." And sometimes I would look at them and be like, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> this is a, the Super Bowl. Oh, forget about it." My 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 sheet was front and back loaded. I've never seen wow. a, I've never seen a, a call sheet like that in my life. And I was like, "There's no way I can." But I remember each and every single detail, man, on the fly. I remember I studied my butt off. I remember after that game, I was so mentally exhausted, not even physically exhausted. I was mentally exhausted. I went to my room and just. Prayed and just went to sleep, man. Like, thank God. This <laughs> well, you, you put in like two days worth of oh work, essentially, into one oh, game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking of preparation, I'm just curious. When they tell you, hey, we may move you down into the slot, how does your study habits of opposing personnel change? Do you have to put in a little bit more work? Do you look at guys' routes a little bit differently? Or it really doesn't change your study habits under those circumstances? No, it, it, it absolutely changes your study habit because now you're more tunnel vision as opposed to being, you know, having that peripheral and just and, and understanding and knowing what everyone else is doing. You kind of lock in a little bit more on your assignment, on your guy. You know, you try to study his hips. You try to study, you know, does he lift this arm when he come out of this break? It's, it's such a fine line of, of – understanding and, and studying a slot guy as opposed to being back in the in secondary and playing deep at safety and studying the entire offense because now when I'm back deep, I'm looking for route combination. I'm looking for little certain tips that I can, okay, look, TRC, this guy's going to do this. You know, 
jump this route, I'll protect you. Because he has these tendencies. Because he has those tendencies. It might not be a play that I can get, but it's a play that I can relate to, you know, one of my fellow compadres. So it's it's, it's completely different, but you always want to know what each individual has to do. You want to know gap assignments. You want to know, you know, your technique. And more importantly, as a nickel and and more so as a nickel, you want to know where your help relies. Because it's going to make you play that much, uh, you know, more aggressive and be that much more efficient. Yeah, I think that's fascinating because you're right. When you're down in the slot, you're relying on others to assist you as opposed to when you're the safety, you are now yeah, you're the last, guy, the last guy to provide Absolutely. the additional help for everybody else. So the way you see the field, your perspective is completely different. Comple- completely different. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. In case you're just joining us, special edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live brought to you by Coors Light. We want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. I am alongside former Giants safety Andrew Roll. We're going to open up the phone lines. Anything you want to delve into? Recapping practice, looking ahead to the MetLife Bowl, which Andrew can relate to too. He's okay. been a part of that rivalry. We'll get his take on that right now. We open up the lines. Maurice is in Montclair. A little, a little to get us started on today's program. What's happening, Maurice? Hey, good afternoon, guys. How you doing? Doing well. So what's on your mind? Hey, man. Start off by uh, giving my kudos and respect to Victor Cruz, you know, someone that came on the scene totally unexpected and um, something that, you you know, you can relate to as a kid that, you know, had the odds stacked against him. And it's just special to see how everything turned out for him. Like Intro said, it didn't end how, you know, anybody would like but at the end of the day it's an ultimate like great career for victor i'm so happy for him i just want to ask Antrell quickly like you know what what you know because he'd been through this process about a year or two ago you know what kind of things was going through victor's mind and like how do you handle a process like that when you feel like you're stepping away from something that you've been doing day in and day out for so long well, I, I think we all have different, you know, exit approaches. Um, you know, for myself, for example, I have put in nine years. I've actually, you know, achieved everything on a platform that I ever wanted to achieve. So my exit might have been a little bit different from Victor. You know, uh, Victor was at the top of the mountain. You know, he was at the top of the mountain. You know, he sustained a, a, a crucial injury. And, you know, it wasn't quite able to get back to, you know, the Victor Cruz that we all were used to seeing. So, obviously, you know, his career ended, you know, a little prematurely. But Victor has so much going on outside of football, you know, with family, with endorsements, with clothing lines, with Nike, and now with ESPN, you know. So, he, he he's constantly busy. But there's nothing like going out there and being out there on that gridiron, man. So, it, you know, it, it might be a little tough approach for Victor. But, you know, with the help of his family and everything else he got going on, I'm pretty sure Victor will be he, – he's, he's doing great. He's doing the fabulous. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Well, you know, I'm sitting here right now in my bedroom. Honestly, and this is the God's honest truth, I'm staring at a picture of you that I got hang up. And, you know, I'm looking at a, a state championship that I won, and I just want to touch on something about, you know, team and building those relationships like you spoke about that you have with Victor and so many countless battles. You know, me and certain friends bump into each other, whether it's social media or in person, and it's just good to see these guys because you build such a – relationship with this team and just talk about I know you you know you were drafted obviously by the Cardinals but just talk about you know something that I'm sure Victor's experience that you went through just the love and appreciation from the fans and that man that support when you see you know everyone chiming in and um you know just paying you respect and things like that and also just that I'll take this off the air when you were at practice today you know what what was kind of some of your evaluations of the team and um if you could you know just give one, uh, you know, a few pointers to, to Landon because he's a bright uh, bright spot at the position that you uh, once played. You know, what kind of advice would you give Landon mentally and just how to just handle everything that's going to come his way? Thanks, guys. I'll All right, Maurice, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. So you, your thoughts on what you think Landon Collins and the rest of the safeties look like in- Well, you know, Landon is always a bright spot for myself. Yeah. 
There were wide receivers. Like Evan so, Ingram on this absolutely. team. Absolutely. So these guys can move. So I, I think if there's anything I can help them with, it would be that. Just work on that a little bit because they're going to test him. They're going to test him this year. You know, and we, we, we need him to answer that bell. How much does the approach change when you're going up against a tight end versus a wide receiver? What are some of the adjustments that you need to make when you get lined up with that? Well, for myself, going up against tight ends, I always try to just disrupt them at the line of scrimmage because they're not as there's not they're not as fluid, they're not they're not as elusive as those wide receivers who can take a jam and get right back into their route extremely fast, you know, and it doesn't throw them off as much. When you jam those big tight ends, when a quarterback look at them and they see them jammed up, they're not going back to them. You know, the quarterback is not looking their way again to see if they got open all of a sudden. Because you disrupted the because route. You're because you disrupted the route, absolutely. So that's what I try to work on, man, and just staying low in their hip corner pocket. Because, like I said, they're, they're not going to outrun you, but they will body position you. So if you stay in that low corner, you stay in that, that low pocket hip, and once you realize, okay, this guy has ran past 10 yards, 12 yards, more than likely he's running the seam route or he's running the seven cut. You know, he's not going to run a 15-yard comeback. Tight ends are not going <laughs> to do that. <laughs> no, they're going to test you down the field. Absolutely. They're not going to necessarily make your life easy. Let's head back to the lines. we got Tremaine in Annapolis, Maryland. Tremaine, what's happening? Welcome to the program. Hi, how you doing? Doing very well. So what's on your mind? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, ask uh, Antoine Rule. Um, seeing that we change defense schemes, how do you think the defense is going to do this year? Well, you know, it's going to be an adjustment. It's going to take them maybe three, four, maybe five games, you know, to get to get acclimated to that new three-four system. It's going to be about communication. It's going to be about them being on the same page at the same time. Remember, roles may change, but the game is always going to be the same. So once you have a playmaker, a playmaker is going to be a playmaker. It doesn't matter if you're in a 4-3, you're in a 3-4, you're going to find a way to make plays. So like I said, it's going to be about, you know, how much study time, how much field time these guys are putting in, and more importantly, their communication on the field is going to be absolutely crucial. All right, Tremaine. Appreciate the uh, phone call. Yeah, and I want yeah. to also thank you for the time that you uh, let us do a whole bunch of championships. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tremaine. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. Let's move along here on the lines. Jason is in Maine. Jason, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hey, how are you guys today? Doing well, Jason. What's on your mind? I uh, just wanted to thank Entrell for his for uh, all the fire he had for New York playing for our defense. It didn't seem to matter what game it was. Uh, he was the guy that I think lit everybody else up. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, that's that's the only way I knew how to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just wondering, Entrell, how hard is it if you if you play, uh, let's say, free safety your whole career, and then you move on to the NFL? And you have to play strong safety. How difficult is that transition? Like I said before, you know, it, it depends on what system you're in and, and what type of player you are. For myself, when, when I was here with the Giants, we had a, a, a bison back. We had free safety and we had a strong safety. Tom Brady didn't know which was what. <laughs> he, 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 had, he had no idea because we were all interchangeable safeties. And that's the only way that we were able to be successful against Tom Brady because he was a quarterback that once he figured you out, I don't care who you are, it was going to be a long day in paradise for you. So, you know, we had to confuse him a little bit. And, you know, I always believe in versatility. I think versatility is the key. Free and strong safety, in my opinion, even if they are, you know, set in stone, one's going to be deep, you know, patrolling the field. One's going to be up in the box you know, filling C gaps, filling B gaps, and obviously cutting the t covering the tight end a lot more. Okay. Okay. And just two other questions for you, just quick ones. One, what was your uh, – which, which NFL team did you want to beat the most as a Giant? And uh, just wondering, too, about the Snoopy Bowl, how, how big of a deal was it for you guys? Was it a big deal? Was it not a big deal? And uh, I'll get off the air with that and just listen to you guys. Thanks All right, Jason. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Um, so you want to start with the – team that you look forward to beating the most when you were a member of the New York Giants? That's easy. Dallas Cowboys. Huh? 
That's figured that was going to be the one that would roll off one. your tongue. That's an easy <laughs> one. Um, and then the Snoopy Bowl. Did that put a little bit more pep in your step, knowing that there was the rivalry that existed between uh, the Giants yeah. and the Jets? Uh, th- that, that was never a preseason game for me. It was always a regular season. I, I approached it like a regular season game. And, uh, you know, everyone considers preseason preseason, but there's just a little bit more <laughs> about that game, you know? <laughs> well, what's interesting is you came from the Cardinals, and not that you didn't know what was going on across the NFL landscape, but I'm curious, once you were first immersed into the Giants-Jets rivalry, did it come to you immediately, hey, there's something unique here between these two teams? Or did it take you a few years to realize the significance of it? Instantly. Instantly. You can tell with, with the guys, with their approach with practice. You can tell with the talk around town. You can tell. It was, it was you know, it was something about it. I can tell when Coach Coughlin, you know, he <laughs> – you know, the Coach Coughlin erects a little thing they had going on. So, you knew instantly that this was more than the preseason game. You know, this was about bragging rights. Well, and it's always painted as the dress rehearsal game where the right. starters play the most. So, it's not as if you're going into a game where you didn't expect to – suit up that you're going to have to play more but I agree with you and I I think even through the fans lens they realize it's a little bit sweeter if you actually walk away with the victory for that third preseason game knowing it's against the same team you share the stadium with I always wanted my Snoopy trophy I need it I need it I need the Snoop Bowl I need it (laughs) A nice little takeaway in addition to the W. <laughs> 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. A reminder that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the course of the season. We're going to head back to the phone lines here as we welcome you all aboard. Zeeshawn is in New Jersey. Zeeshawn, what's happening? Hey, guys. Um, I'm a long-time listener and first-time caller, only with Entrarola. I never called before ever. <laughs> My well, man. we're glad to hear from you. So, so, everything. Um, I just have two quick things. I know Eli talked about Landon's, uh, you know, leadership. I'm not worried about him. I am worried about Eli Apple not to getting his head turned around catching the football because he's just focused on the player. So how can you help him? You know, you started out as a corner. So how can you help him transition to that type of player where he can always locate the football? And number two is I want to get your thoughts on the the helmet rule. Like I can't believe. Because they have, they already ha- added the um, crown of the helmet, leading with the crown of the helmet, as a penalty. And now they add that you can't even lower your head. You get 15 yards for playing football. So, what are your thoughts on the new helmet rule? And um, and in and, and I'm the one that probably keeps incessantly um, tweeting at you to come back to the Giants, uh, you know, to be your <laughs> captain and everything. So, just um, for you, how can you pass on that captain and that leadership to uh, some of the players on this team? All right, Zijan, appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. Threw out a lot there. So why don't we start with the last question that I threw out in terms of leadership and how important is that to develop within a locker room? Leadership is huge. You know, when you have leaders, you have a foundation. And, you know, leadership, it's contagious. And, you know, you find yourself with one, maybe two leaders uh, you know, what, what they like to call leaders, and then all of a sudden you have 16, 15 leaders. They just lead in different ways. You know, some may lead with their voices. Some may go out there and lead by example between the white lines. But when you find both, you know you struck goal. Yeah, because everybody has a different path that they take to set in motion an example for other players. For example, Snacks is the first one that always says, you know, he's not necessarily a vocal guy, but he does it based on his play. Alec Ogletree, who just came in, seems to be more of a vocal leader. And, you know, you were a veteran when you came here. How do you feel out a locker room to say, hey, I feel comfortable making my voice felt despite the fact that there may have been some players that had been here for quite some time? Well, I, I don't think you can, I don't even think you can entertain that unless you're doing what you need to do between the white lines. I, I, I really, so that can't be the priority? Yeah, no. You can't just come into a locker room talking because you feel like there's nothing that needs to be said. You can't come into a locker room and proclaim yourself as a leader when you're not doing what you need to do between the white lines. If you're not out there practicing and grinding, and I don't mean some of the time, I don't mean majority of the time, I mean all the time. You know, And, and that's something that I took personal, you know, within myself, you know, it didn't have anything to do about the Giants or football in its entirety. It had to do with the person that I am. If I was able to run, I was going to be out on the field with my guys. That's just the way I approach the game. So, you know, when you find those leaders that 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 
that don't mind voicing their opinions because sometimes certain things need to be heard. Even for myself, I played 11 years and there was still some times where I felt like I needed to hear something from someone else. As crazy as it may sound, but it's true. So you never know what someone is gonna what someone is gonna is gonna take in and, and let it soak in extremely deep to the point where a light bulb just clicks on. And I'm assuming that's not just a player, but even a coach's perspective that may be new for you. Listen, we, we, we all need a voice sometimes, whether it be it coaches, players, doesn't matter who it is, because I remember there were certain times where Coach Coughlin needed to hear my voice, you know, vice versa all the time. And, uh, you know, I never thought when I came here my first year, Coach Coughlin was going to be a guy that I really just wanted to sit and listen to. But as time went on, you know, I started understanding what he was saying. I started understanding his message. And, you know, soon enough, he started understanding mine and understanding who I was as a player. That give and take type of relationship Absolutely. that develops over time. Now, the last call also brought up Eli Apple and the fact that he's still young, developing as a corner, a position you started out with. And, you know, just the nuances of the position in terms of turning your head, making sure that you're physical at the line of scrimmage, you know, how exactly does that come about it was there a year that hey everything came together for you or did it just gradually come into place once you made the transition from college to the pros you know with Eli Apple I think the guy has all the tools you know he he has phenomenal size he's fast he's strong you know he he, he doesn't he doesn't mind coming up making contact but it's exactly what the guy said finding the ball, making a play on the ball. In my opinion, the way I approach the game is every time you grab a ball, you're getting another million dollars. That's how I approach it. Nice incentive. You want to get that money. Get the money back because that's what's going to get you the big dollars. You don't want to let those opportunities go because there's not often where you're going to get opportunity. How many times is a cornerback going to have an opportunity to actually grab the ball and intercept the ball and break up a pass? It, you might get two, three a game if you're lucky. It's not going to happen often. So what Eli Apple needs to do is it starts with confidence. It starts with trust. It starts with repetition. Once you do it in practice, you make it a habit. Finding, leaning, and locating the ball. When you get, comfort when you get comfortable doing that, then you're going to transition that to the game. Once you transition it to the game and it's successful for you one time, two times, then it's going to become a habit. Then you're going to start working on it more, working on it more. And it's just habit. It's just repetition. So now we realize it wasn't the pigskin that you were following. It was the bag of money that you were I visioning. Love, I love that money. There we, I don't blame I love you. that money. I don't blame you. Yeah. Well, you know, you know who also I think loved that? Stevie Brown that one year oh, where he yeah. was collecting all those interceptions. Oh, yeah. See the money bag. He, he was, money he was bag. certainly envisioning the money bag too yeah. based on uh, how often he grabbed the football. But, but to your point, you know, once you grab the routine and you seem to be opportunistic as a player, I mean, it, it seems to also rub off on other guys around. Yeah, absolutely. Man, listen. Plays, interceptions, they, they come in packets. They come in packages. Yep. And uh, we all know, man, playing, deep, t playing defensive backfield, you have to go get that football. Because if not, the, the wide receivers they have nowadays, they will take it off your head. The Julio Jones, Odell Beckham's, Antonio Browns, those guys will take the ball out of your possession if you don't go up and attack the ball at the highest point. We have seen that on the highlight reel plenty <laughs> of times. Odell even did one today in practice when he was aggressive. Yeah. Take it away. Yep. That's why they have a knack for grabbing the football. Let's head back to the phone lines. Joe is in Virginia. Joe, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Uh, my question is, uh, he's like, yeah, man, is going to do this year. And how's Beckham going to do with the broken ankle? Okay. Well, we'll certainly get into that, Joe, and appreciate the phone call. So he asked about Eli Manning, the outlook for his season, as well as Odell Beckham. I mean, I'll first weigh in, Antrell, and I'm curious your perspective. Ever since training camp started, Odell, to me, has not missed a beat. He looks like he's ready to go. He looks like his old self in terms of him running around and so forth. I don't think he's really lost a step as a result of that injury. I just think the Giants are being smart, as Pat Shermer has said, in terms of not throwing him right into the fire so quickly and preserving him for week one. First and foremost, man, uh, I, I don't think anyone understands the amount of work and countless hours Odell put into 
making sure he, he's he's back to 100%. You know, I, I know personally the, the amount of time, the amount of dollars constantly working. He had seems to have that same passion as he enters into the latter part of his career. You've been in the locker room with him. You know, and everybody, they watch the film, and when it comes to quarterbacks, Andrew, they're always counting the years and saying, oh, this is going to be it. Right. This is going to be the end all. What do you see when you see Eli today? I, I see, uh, you know, a guy who's in phenomenal shape. I see a guy who, who wants it. You know, last year was not a good year for anyone on the Giants organization. And uh, I think Eli, you know, there's a lot of doubters. There's a lot of people out there that have so many questions. Or, you know, is Eli done? What's this? What's, you know, everyone's going to have an opinion. But Eli, if anyone can handle that, it's Eli Manning. And he's a guy that's going to go out there and he's going to prove everyone wrong. He's going to have one of his best years that he's had yet in the NFL. Well, he certainly has the weaponry around him. I mean, Absolutely. you look at Odell, who you mentioned, Sterling Shepard coming back from injury too. Remember, he was a bit banged up. Evan Ingram. Mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley, who we haven't talked about, and an improved offensive line. Absolutely, and and all those all those those key spots that you mentioned right now, I mean, they're they're huge and they're going to be a phenomenal help for Eli Manning in this offense. Let's head back to the phone lines. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light. Freddie is in New Jersey. Freddie, what's happening? Hey, not much, um, Antrell. I just want to thank you for everything you did for this organization while with your time here. And also, um, I'm a big Hurricanes fan, too, so I've been following you since day one, my man. Oh, man, I appreciate, appreciate everything that. you did. No, thank you. I appreciate that for sure. You're welcome. Secure the bag, right? <laughs> it's always um, about the bag, man. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, quick question for you guys. Who do you think has more touchdowns this season, Sterling Shepard or um, Evan Ingram? It's a good question. Ooh. I'm going to have to go with Evan Ingram. That's where I was going to lean as well. I'm going to have to go with Evan Ingram. And he was phenomenal yeah. in finding the end zone last year. And clearly, they had a lot of injuries, so he was the primary target. But I think that Evan Ingram, given his body and given Eli Manning working with him in the red zone, I think if you're asking it from a fantasy perspective, Freddie, my money would be on Evan Ingram. Yeah, yeah, that's how I was thinking, too. I was just curious about <laughs> overall, too. Um, and also, uh, what about um, maybe uh, Russell Shepard uh, back there returning some punts? Do you think he's capable of doing that? Well, Shepard was an extremely opportunistic player when he was with the Carolina Panthers. He was mainly a special teamer and then also ran some routes as a wide receiver. They've been rotating a variety of different personnel back there, but he's certainly in the mix. And I will tell you this, Freddie. If you look at it, Andrew, you can relate to this watching teammates throughout the years. If you're going to make the roster as the fourth wide receiver, the fifth wide receiver, you have to contribute on special teams. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't have said no it better myself. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So he fits that bill. That That's the attractiveness of someone like him, as well as, remember, Cody Latimer. Cody Latimer is yep. also another great special teams player. So w when you're looking at the battles in the preseason games, those are the guys to watch. Who's chipping in on special teams? That's why they're trying to get Hunter Sharp involved in that facet of the game. Because if he's going to make this team, there's going to be days he's going to have to contribute on special teams. No doubt about that one. Um, I just want to say one more thing, and I'll uh, get off here real fast. But, Antro, hands down, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes is the greatest team ever. No debate about it. That's all I got to say. Thank you, guys. Listen, all even, right, Freddie. listen, I don't even know why that was a debate in the first place, man. <laughs> you know what you probably would have loved? You would have loved the turnover chain if that existed when listen. you played. They couldn't have had that when we played. Okay. Well, well, that's why I had to ask. They, really? They, they couldn't have had it. Okay. Because what? You're saying you didn't need it from a motivational standpoint? Not necessarily that we didn't need it. Okay. It would have been a massacre. Really? It would, it would have been a massacre. Wow. It, it okay. Would, it would have been a mess. It would have been broken after it, week one is what you're saying. It would have been done. I mean, <laughs> you, I, mean I mean, I don't know. It, it would have broke us up at his unit. You know, because we were all fought for it that much. Okay. You know, because we, man, we were a greedy bunch of dudes down there. We played good football, but we were greedy. 
We we were selfish, greedy dudes. We we all wanted the ball. We we would have all wanted to like we would just would have find ways, busted coverages, and we're going to get the ball. Take chances oh and all God. that stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's a different way to look at it. Two two guys, Ed Reed and Sean Taylor. Just forget about it. Well, it was the who's who of what became of the National Football League on that team. Exactly. So you can understand <laughs> that everybody wanted the football. It's just when anybody thinks of Miami today and doing shows with Jeff and his son being the punter, the turnover chain always comes up. So that's why I figured when I do a show with Antro, we got to ask his perspective of the turnover <sighs> I, chain. I, man, listen, I was so jealous of that chain this year. <laughs> I was so jealous. I'm like, oh. hey, but, you know, it, it helped those guys out, man. It gave them an extra added incentive, man, to go out there and ball and get yeah. that ball. And, and man, they, their, their turnover ratio was phenomenal. That was a big reason why they had the Absolutely. season they did. Absolutely. And beat up Notre Dame and so forth and had a number of notable victories. The reason I bring that up is also because Jeff, and I'm sure you've been down to Miami, they sell actually copies oh, of yeah. it. So you can oh, yeah. you can grab as many as yeah, you want my, now. My, 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 yeah. my main guy, DJ Williams, who I do you know, my Out the Huddle podcast with, you know, yeah. he, he actually makes those. Oh, he does? Yeah, okay. So, so, so you have it in. So, yeah, so you yeah. don't even have to ask Jeff Fiegel. No, right? I don't ask Jeff. No, oh, you I, got your I, own I have in. my own okay. turnover change. So I was completely <laughs> off guard in terms of even throwing out there. Look, we got the expert here oh, when it comes yeah, to absolutely. how to get a hold of the turnover chain. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Rick is in Tampa. Rick, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? What's up, guys? Hey, Antrow. Hey, you know, I've been down here going on a little over 10 years, and being in Florida, I haven't heard much of the good old Miami Hurricanes prowess as uh, the best team in Florida over these years. So I hope that they're starting to change because all I hear is Florida State, Gators, everything in these last 10 years. But Miami's got to, you know, regain some of that uh, uh, prominence that you had back in the day, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, I think we're in the yeah, same okay, boat man. when you say that, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't really like those those Seminoles and those Gators too much. But, uh, I you know. That's all I hear about, but you, you, though. But I hear you, to but, Miami back in the fray. A but they have to more. make their – They've been improving. They've yeah, been improving. Yeah, they're, they're improving, yeah. but they have to make their own way. You know, we all understand it. Yep. In this sport, no one, nothing's going to be given to you. Nope, nope, nope. All right. I thought it was entitlement back in the day, but not anymore. Hey, a uh, question for you. For one – um, I did want to bring up Barkley just for a second to ask you, uh, is he think or ask if he's going to play this uh, against the Jets and what does this, this injury still look like? That and also, Antrell, you've always been very outspoken, great leader of the team when you played. I enjoyed your interviews on WFAN every time you were on, and uh, you were kind of the spokesperson for the team. So when you're listening to the defense, and I, I thought you maybe answered this a couple of callers ago, but who do you see as the – leader on that defense who's the outspoken one that you hear talking up the place and and really taking over that role which we, they need uh the giants need that this season uh who do you hear as the most uh maybe taking over for that uh spot that since you've been gone has been empty so uh what do you think about that and also about Parkley? uh what do you think is he going to play at all this spring i mean uh preseason for the preseason you got it, Rick, yeah, yeah. and thanks for the phone call. I'll start off with uh, Barkley, and then we'll get your perspective on the leadership, which is what we touched on earlier. Pat Shermer actually spoke to the media after practice today. He was asked about Saquon Barkley. said Barkley's coming along with his rehab, but Pat Shermer, as he's done since he's joined the team, keeps it very close to the heart, as you can tell with Tom Coughlin and everybody, so he's not revealing much. But, you know, you've been somebody. You've dealt with the grind of the preseason. You've dealt with injuries. You've seen teammates. I, I think, as I mentioned, same thing with Odell Beckham. Him, the Giants are going to play it very smart. And if they don't feel as if they need to get him extra reps in a game, I don't see why they would risk it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the best route to go because at, at the end of the day, the preseason, you know, it helps you get the, the best, you know, feel as you're going to have it, you know, as, as, as into the regular season that you're going to get. But it's a meaningless game, you know, and you would just hate to see a, a guy of that caliber, you know, God forbid, you know, sustain any type of injury. It doesn't matter if it's major or minor. They can do without it, you know, especially if he's nicked up right now. Just rehab, nurture injury, man, you know, and when that when it's time for September 9th against the Jaguars, you know, make sure he's ready to come there. That's the number one goal when it really counts Absolutely. in week one. I agree with you 100%. The other question, though, that is thrown out a lot, and you were a rookie at one time, defensive player, not necessarily offense, but same thing. Every rep is important. Do you feel when you're a rookie that there is that urgency 
to get on the field in some more preseason games just so you work out the kinks, you understand the system and so forth as opposed to taking the mental reps? Yeah, you know, you always want to go out there and, and, and work on your craft and see where you are and measure yourself, but not at that expense. You know, if, if, if you're already nicked up a little bit, you know, in, in Saquon's uh, situation, you know, he's nursing a hamstring, you, you want to rest it, you want to make sure that you get it top, top shape 100% come time for the first game because, like I say, these preseason games, they are just games. They're just glorified practices you know you want to go out there and be smart especially you know with with a key player like Saquon and Saquon down the road could very well develop into a leader right now he's asking a lot of questions he's engaged in the offense and so forth you know when you were out there that was the other question at the last caller asked who jumps out to you as somebody that has a presence maybe not even a vocal leader but a guy that commands the respect of his teammates around him uh, I, I think just off the top, uh, you know, I think a guy like Ogletree, I think he's definitely going to be one of your vocal leaders. Um, I, I see a guy, I heard a, I heard Will Gay out there a lot. Another veteran um, yeah, on the team. Yeah, you know, communication. You heard him over the entire defense just yelling out, quarterback under center, you know, shotgun, shotgun, you know, tap, tap, you know, just, just calling certain things out. And any time you have communication within the defense, Nine times out of ten, your defense is going to be pretty successful because that way everyone's on the same page at the same time. So to have those veteran guys that are used to communicating and understand the importance of defenses being on the same page at the same time is going to only make the defense that much better. And that's what experience brings to the table. Because Absolutely. the two players you named, Andrew, they've been in a variety of defenses and they've been moved around. So they Absolutely. understand how important Absolutely. it is to be on the same page. Absolutely. And, you know, William Gay coming from that Pittsburgh defense with – you know, with with Paulo Malu and and all those guys, Ike Taylors, and you know, it's, it's it's so many of those guys where he had to communicate because he was a young puppet of that defense. Yeah, and somebody who also understands what it's like to play in Arizona, like you do. <laughs> so there's that connection as well. But yeah. he's been in a variety of different defenses with a lot of veterans and young guys. Right, you know, right. and and that's what's so impressive when you have veterans join a new team. The smooth transition. And I'm sure that's something that you can relate to when you joined the Giants right. because you've been there before. It, Football's football at the end of the day. It's like riding a bike. It's like riding a bike, you know. You, you may not ride it for a long time, and you know, but you're never going to forget. So, you know, it doesn't matter what team you go to. He's going to understand that if I'm in the defense, I'm going to communicate. I'm going to show these young guys how to communicate. I'm going to teach them how to be loud and let their voices be heard within the defense, which is, which is crucial. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. He is former Giant Safety Antrell Roll. I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks so much for tuning in to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. A reminder, it's brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the course of the season. As we head back to the phone lines, keep ringing that phone here. Antrell will answer all the questions you want as time allows, of course. Ray is in the Bronx. Ray, what's happening? Hey, Antrell, big fan, man. When you do... You really took over the the secondary and uh, and uh, in Miami and in uh, in New York, and I was a big fan of yours. Um, I think Landon Collins is a lot uh, like you, and uh, that's uh, a compliment. Believe me. Um, I, what I want to know is what's going on with OBJ with the contract negotiations. What are the Giants waiting for? <laughs> I mean, what's going on? You got the, one of the greatest players in the NFL, and the Giants look like they're, you know, putting them on hold or something. I don't know what's well, going on. Let, let, let's watch the language, Ray. I mean, we want to keep I'm things sorry. up. PG thirteen. It's sorry. okay. Listen, I respect it. You're a passionate Giants fan, but we want to want to try to keep the conversation yeah, PG thirteen. No, 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 no completely. Listen, no, you're, you're, no, no worries, nice. no worries. You're you're not the first fan to ask a question related to that. Um, I understand it's on the minds of a lot of different people, and Odell has said multiple times that he is confident the process will play itself out. Dave Gettleman has said the same thing. The season hasn't started yet. There's still a chance they may hammer out a deal. And as I've mentioned, there are under the CBA, there are rules and regulations that teams can follow, such as the franchise tag, even though this is the final year of his contract. So it's a matter of just being patient. That's what it comes down to. And, you know, Andrew, listen, you can relate as being a player with contractual negotiations. I, I think Odell 
what I take away just from listening to him and how he's going about his business, it's business as usual for him. He's focused on football. He's focused on returning to the field. He right now is not necessarily letting anything else distract him, which is the right mindset to have. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 no, I you're 100%, 100% right. Um, but if he will be uh, on the field for the first game. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a big concern. We're going to let you go on that note, Ray, because uh, obviously I want to get Antrell's perspective on this as well. There, There is nothing that indicates that Odell Beckham at this point is a question mark for week one. I think the Giants are playing it smart. They're making sure that he gets in as much reps as he can. He took part in the joint practices with the Lions. That's another reason why he didn't play in the last preseason game because Pat Shermer felt he was tested enough right. against an opposition. But getting back to the point that I was making, Antrell, his mindset seems to be zoned in on football. And that's where it needs to remain. As it should be right now, especially come off the injury that he that he sustained last year. You know, uh, Odell's focus is playing ball. The contract negotiation, the contract situation, it's out of his control. He's done everything that he can possibly do as a player, as a teammate, as a person, to obviously be rewarded with you know with the huge contract that that he's looking to to eventually get. Um, you leave that up to the front office and his agent, man. He his his job is to go out there and play football. Their job is to work out the contract negotiations and and, and get him in, in in a comfortable situation where he can go out there and let loose and just be the Odell that we're used to seeing. And it goes back to the point that you brought up earlier when you were talking about if you get your hands on the ball from a corner perspective, you think about a million dollars here and there. From a wide receiver's perspective, if he goes out there, not that he has a lot to prove. I think we know the player he is. But if he goes out there week one, gets back to his old self, puts up his usual numbers, the money, the contract goes hand in hand with the production. You know, absolutely. And Odell is the type of guy that, you know, he's not going to shy away from anything. He's going to go out there. He's going to play reckless. He's going to play scare-free. He's going to go out there and play ball. You might see a better Odell than you've ever seen before. And that's what teammates have said. Sterling Shepard, Andrew, has said on the record multiple times, he thinks Odell's faster than he was before the injury. Have you seen that before? Have you seen guys, they get hurt, and then all of a sudden there's an extra gear? That they could touch. Well, you know what it is. It's 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 a contribute to the work that he's put in this off season. You know, after sustaining that injury, you know, he had a crucial injury. So, you know, for him to go out there and for a, a fellow receiver to say that about you, you must be doing something. You must be doing something <laughs> yeah. well out there on the practice field. And it has been reflected thus far based on his production in and out on practice every single day. Let's head back to the lines. We got Allen in D.C. Allen, what do you have for us today? Uh, gentlemen, how's it going? Doing very well, Alan. What's on your uh, mind? Man, uh, first of all, big, big, big fan of Montreal, bro. I mean, what he's done for the organization, and uh, you know, the player that he was, you know, when he was with the Giants, you know, uh, you know, I wish we had more players like like him, you know. Thank you. Um, uh, you know, with the, you know, we have a, a great team, you know, on paper this year. Um, and, you know, we've lost some key people on defense, you know, and I kind of want to hear uh, Antrell's uh, point of view of, you know, maybe the impact of losing a guy like JPP. Um, and, and, you know, I know we still have Olivia Vernon and, and those guys, but, you know, what's more important to 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 a defense, um, uh, kind of like the, the rushers or kind of like the back end, like the secondaries and the corners? So the loss of JPP which obviously is a player that you're very familiar with, going to week in and week out with him. And the fact that now Olivier Vernon, other than Connor Barwin, Andrew, is really the, the most proven commodity in terms of the pass rush. But they brought in a lot of young guys through the draft, like a B.J. Hill, who has flashed a lot. And they also have you know a few other veterans who I think have an opportunity to break out. I, it goes without saying, the depth of this defensive line is going to show how far this team can get Absolutely. in terms of a postseason run potentially. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Obviously, losing someone like JPP, that's a huge loss. Um, you know, he, he's a phenomenal talent. JPP has a motor out this world. And, you know, one thing that I've always said about JPP is one way or another, he's going to come up with a huge play in the game. You know, that's just who he is. doesn't matter if it's interception or strip sack fumble. You know, he's a type of It's just – it's just giving opportunities for younger guys to step up and make a name for themselves. You know, the guys that have been there behind him, hungry guys. Now this is the opportunity to step up and 
Back, you go out there and you play ball. It's your time. It's your oh, opportunity. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds great, man. And, and you know, uh, one more thing, you know, I always look back at that season that you guys had when, when, when you guys won the ring. Um, but can you tell me your, 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 your most fondest moment of that season and uh, or when, when you thought it, 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 you know, it all magnified into a Super Bowl for you? And, you know, uh, nothing is better than being the Patriots, you know. So, I mean, to me, that, that was the best part for me. But I, as a player, I like to hear your input. Like, what was your fondest moment of that season? Well, my fondest moment of that season was uh, when we were seven, we were seven and nine. Were we seven and nine or – I'm not sure what our record was at that point in time. Um, I don't know. I just know that we needed to win against the Jets, and we needed to win against Dallas against the playoffs. And I remember that week. Uh, seven and seven. Because we you, seven you ended seven. up nine and seven. You we won seven. against the Jets and the Cowboys then the season. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we were seven and seven. And I remember that, that practice that we had on that Wednesday, there was no one on the sideline. And I'm used to seeing, you know, eight, nine, ten guys sometimes on the sideline riding the bike, and I remember there was no one on the sideline. And I said at that point in time, I said, okay, we're ready. I said, we're ready because now I have all my brothers with me. Now we have all those guys that I can just look at and understand what they want to do or what they're telling me just by looking their eyes. Now we're on the same page at the same time. Now let's see how good we can be. Let's rock. And I remember that, to me, that day, on that Wednesday practice, that defined our season for us. Oh, man, that's, that's awesome to hear, man. And, you know, I know a lot of people are making uh, a lot about uh, Eli and, and, you know, his age and stuff. And uh, But, you know, I, I I remember that season. He took a beat down from San Francisco 49ers. Oh, man. And, and, you know, he still got up every single time and every single snap. Um, and, you know, you know, I'm still. I still think the Giants are very fortunate to have somebody of his caliber at his age with the talent that he has, and and finally, management has done a great job putting uh, some offensive weapons around him. And um, you know, uh, again, man, thanks, thanks so much for for all you did for the Giants, and um, you're one of my favorite players of all time. Oh man, thank you. I appreciate that, Alan. Thanks for the phone uh, call. Appreciate thanks. it. And thanks for weighing in. And you were referring to that Jets game, which coincidentally we started the conversation off about Victor Cruz, right. and there you go, <laughs> that 99-yard touchdown. Absolutely. The rest is history. Oh, man, that was, that was so sweet. That was so sweet. But, you know, and talking about uh, answering this question with Eli Manning, I remember that game in San Francisco. I just kept saying, oh, oh man, this is it. He, he's, <laughs> he's not getting up. This is it. That's it. That I've always liked Eli as a quarterback. But that was the game that I became an Eli Manning fan. I was a fan. I was like, this is one tough SOB. I mean, I've never seen a defense just, just, oh, my God. Like, they just, they, they tore him. They tore him to pieces. A lot of hits. You know, Eli was getting up. His, his shoulder <laughs> They had to were, fix the oh jersey and everything, yeah. Each and every single down. Like, they, they came after him. And he stood in that pocket. He got up off the ground each and every single time, and he always kept his focus on the prize. I mean, Victor Cruz killed people in that slot that game. And, you know, it's those are defining moments. Those are moments that you just you know, okay, this is it. Like this is destined for us because I don't care what quarterback you find, they're not sustaining those hits like that. Especially from the the pass rush and, and the linebackers that San Francisco had in that year. Well, and that's why his durability is remarkable. I mean, Absolutely. the fact that he has, knock on wood, remained healthy despite the hits that he's taken. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. there was a season back in 2007. This was obviously before you were the team where, you know, there was concerns about his shoulder, and he played through that. So, I mean, that's what's remarkable, I think, about his performance. And speaking of that game, Andrew, as you recall, I mean, it was rainy. It was muddy. It wasn't as if those were ideal conditions Absolutely. for anybody. And he made the best of it, man. You know, he, he got us to where we needed to be. Absolutely. And that is why that 2011 postseason run is a very unique run <laughs> when it comes to NFL history because the two regular season games and then did not miss a yeah. beat yeah. the rest of the postseason. Amazing, man. You can't ask for a better team than that team. You can't, you know, we weren't – that season wasn't for us. If you ask 100 people, 100 people will say there's no chance that the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl at 7-7, seven seven, you know, with two games left in the season. But 
that wasn't our mentality. Our mentality was we're going to go out there and we're going to practice together as a team and let's just see what takes place when we're all out there with each other and put our minds together to have one common goal, which is the Super Bowl. Well, the playoffs started a few weeks early for you guys. Absolutely. I think that's the best way to look at it. And this is another game that I remember from that season. You know, We were talking about JPP against Dallas in Dallas a few weeks prior. Oh, yeah. Th- that's a huge turning point. The comeback and then the special teams play. He, find, he finds a way to make the big plays. I mean, you don't win that game. Who knows how the season oh, yeah. plays out? Oh, yeah. So, and, and the one thing about that season, Eli, it was one comeback after another. Oh, yeah. For the team. I, I mean, for he sure. had, if you go back statistically, it was one of his best seasons because he threw the ball over the field, back and then, you name it. But it was one game where you were tested and then another game where you were tested again and you guys still found a way to pull out those victories. Making a way, man. That's 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 what his team is. Team. That's why it's this team. That's what it's all about. Indeed, and that's why you got that nice trophy to look back on every time you think of that 2011 oh, season. Yeah. <laughs> See the hell with the turnover chain. I mean the 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 Lombardi Trophy is a lot more promising. I would say Andros a reward yeah, yeah. than the turnover I, chain I, I, I in Miami. So. Yeah, I, I know it's so. it's it's tough to I like uh, at choose the between both. You know, once everyone grabs a Lombardi Trophy, you see all the fingerprints on there. Man, I, yeah. I think that's yeah, it's phenomenal. I don't like a clean Lombardi Trophy. No, no, no you I want everybody to mess I it need up. The fingerprints. Yes, and I'm sure everybody had fun with that back in 2011, <laughs> as I'm sure a lot of our callers and listeners did. Certainly appreciate everybody for tuning in. A reminder that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. You can download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. For the remainder of this week and for next week, Big Blue Kickoff Live will start at 2 p.m. Eastern every day, so we'll take you for that hour and then start of the regular season. We'll go back to a new time, which we will let you know well in advance. Etro, it was a pleasure working oh, with man. you. A lot of fun reminiscing. Hey. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Always, man. It's always, it's always a blast whenever you come back in the building and obviously get to interact with the fans. Absolutely. So enjoy the rest of your Tuesday here on Giants.com. For former Giants safety, Andrew Roll, I'm Lance Meadow. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Have a good one.